Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your host, Keith Varney Mike in Deglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. This is episode 176, and Mike's last quote was, we're getting it dialed in. Never stop perfecting. Perfecting Mm. might be a strong word. And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which me, I'm Keith Varney. I discussed David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice, with my buddy, Mike Indeglio. Mike, how's it going? Keith, it's going great. So much I want to talk about today, uh, Mm. mostly because I feel chatty. Also because it's a Saturday. It's not a Monday morning, so my mood Mm -hmm. is is elevated from where we have been recently. Uh, I was checking some of our uh, YouTube comments for our other show. We're, we're getting a little mm-hmm. trolled up, so that's fun. We were talking about that. I I know. I we have we have trolls and I'm and we like have the I'm, nicest I, like, trolls though. None of them are aggressive. They're like no, little gremlins. No, 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 no. I mean, the, the the political stuff like I just couldn't care. Select all delete. Mm-hmm. When they start coming for our singing, I'm like Wow, I'm back in high school. I'm like, I can sing harder than you. It's very you've actually funny. evolved more than I, Keith, because throughout the course, you've you like sing on the show. I always just like fake like com mm-hmm. like character voice it because I don't actually want to like put my actual shit out there. But uh, speaking of actual shit, we should take this opportunity, Keith. We haven't plugged it in a while. You have your own album. It's on the YouTube's. We were pumping huh. Eric's album the other day. Remind people how they can listen to the sweet dulcet tunes of the emotional crap you're going through. Oh, well, at this point, the emotional crap from a couple of years ago. But uh, but yes, uh, my album, what's it called? Oh, Momentum. Keith Varney Momentum is out on uh, all of the places that you listen to music. Uh, you can get it on the Spotify or the Amazon or the YouTubes or whatever you want. Let me be old for a second. Speaking of music, mm. I went to see The Chicks last night in Camden. I love The Chicks. In Camden, me too. Their last album was great. They Speaking of political stuff, they went pretty hard on the political stuff they had, with a lot of their visual tech and, and their- Well, good for them. And but it was great. But that's, that's been their brand since yes. forever. It was really moving, uh, but that's not what I'd like to discuss. So, look, you meant, made a comment on, I think it was last week's show, about where does your money go? So we went to ah. a concert, and we got lawn seats. You know, we weren't trying to blow it out. We just wanted to, like, listen. And luckily, they hadn't sold out under the shell, so they were – there's a guy walking around, like, giving out shell tickets, like, to go have an actual seat. So oh, uh, nice. my friend, it was their their anniversary, so they ran up and talked to him, and we got tickets. We went in. We are having a great time. Great, awesome. And so, look, I'm not above pre-gaming. We had, we had a drink, a couple of uh, adult – Puff, puffs of uh, narcotics in the parking lot. <laughs> we really went for it. Uh, so you're you're smoking meth. Yeah. 
So we go in and, you know, we're also grown up. So we're like, let's get a drink. Jen was in the bathroom. I was like, let me get, I'm going to get us some drinks and mm-hmm. really be a stand-up guy. So when we go to the seats, we got a little, like, a little something with us. So I got two sangrias. We love a sangria, Jen and I. Sure, okay, sure. Keith, Delightful. We're at a concert venue. Two red sangrias. How much oh, did God. it cost? Ooh, well, how how big were the sangrias? Were these regular cups? Or? Well, he have my my microphone here. It was not like a, a at the circus yardstick. It was like a normal. Like, okay, like you're talking mason jar style, like a mason right, jar. So I'm going to go thirty six dollars in total, right? In total, fifty seven dollars. <laughs> Oh and then she asked me if God. I wanted to put a tip on there. I was like, what? Oh, my God. That's how it started. So needless to say, I'm poor. I am poor that, today. That's where it all went. No, I remember uh, going to um, going to the Met and it's like, oh, let's just get one. You know, they have little glasses of champagne. Let's just get one little tiny glass of champagne. And it was like $22 each. Oh, it's terrible. I, used, I told this story on the podcast, so I'll just brief. But we used to go in college when we were broke. We would wait for uh, Met openings because they do the little in the summertime because they would do the little like pre cocktail party outside by the fountain, mm-hmm. and so we would just put on our like one suit and roll to the fountain and get the free hors d'oeuvres they're passing out as if we were going to the opening and then bounce. <laughs> I don't think you've told that. <laughs> yeah, that's so what it's used to do. it. It's like the old tradition of second acting a Broadway show, but you like pre game. Yeah, we pre the, the Met. Yeah, you only got the little like they had like little cocktail weenies and like weird stuff. Mm-hmm, you didn't know we were mm-hmm. eating, but it was fancy. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, we uh, are. You know, speak, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. We no, are talking say, about getting old. TV. Oh, we're talking over each other. Let's just keep going for some. Oh, oh my god, <laughs> this is terrible. Let me just keep talking over like this. You know, this is episode one hundred and seventy-six <laughs> of the Out of Practice podcast. Reeling it in, baby. Plus, uh, what twenty-five episodes of our first show. We're in like episode 60, almost 70 episodes of Toys, plus we've got 13 episodes of The Decent. We have done almost 300 some odd episodes of uh, broadcasting together, and we still can't not talk over each other. Yeah, well, most people do it in studio, so we're trying to, we're, we're dealing with an internet delay. We have been doing it virtually for a very long time. Uh, anyway, I was just going to say that I was giving myself a bit of a haircut today. And because uh, I've been cutting my hair since uh, the the apocalypse. And I realized that my gray is coming in real strong, right, on mm-hmm. the on the sides here. But it's stronger on the right side than the left side. Yeah, me too. Look, you've got this. Right. It looks pretty the same over the internet, but. Okay, yeah, it's not. It, and like the color, there's a, a, a straight line where the gray bege- ends and the normal begins. And it's weird. It looks as if I've like painted a line across my head, but no, that's just it. No, well, you, you, we're, look, we're trying to Doctor Strange it as best we can. Yep. And uh, yeah, and like the, the the beard gray just comes in random. Yeah, it's it's it, it's a thing. We're old people talking on the internet, but guys, what we usually talk about is David E. Kelly's <laughs> seminal work, The Practice. Uh, and- yes, indeed. You know, Mike, how do you feel about the fact that we only have three episodes of The Practice left? Well, on one hand, Keith, I'm going away for a month to do a, a little play. So on one hand, I'm relieved that I don't have to, like, fight the universe to try to stream an episode and watch it with you and everything over a foreign uh, internet connection. Not foreign. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, somebody yeah. else's internet connection. So that 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 is the positive. The other, 
if I'm being if I'm being upfront, I feel a little um I, I don't know. It's like when you know here's just what it feels like. Mm-hmm. When you're going on a trip somewhere, for me this is actually legit. You're going on a trip somewhere, you gotta leave the people you love behind a little for some period of time. So you do what I used to call the pre-miss. You start to get a little bit sappy before the sure. thing. I'm feeling sure. that way a little bit, a little pre-miss, because it's mm. I, it, it, we've, we've devoted a lot of time to this. It sort of launched us on this, I'm not going to call it a career yet, but a secondary, like, uh, a thing A very time-consuming <laughs> hobby. <laughs> Extremely. I was looking at a podcast I, I, I patron with, and they have 3,200 active patrons. Which means they're dropping at least like a fifteen thousand dollars a month. Which so that's like almost full time job. Universe. If they split that amongst almost the three. Almost ho- full time well, job. That would th- be like four of my full time jobs. They have three hosts, so they split. But I, I don't know. They've also been around for like fifteen years, so it's fair. Um, speaking of patreon.com slash K and M, you can you can join our fledging empire. Oh yes. Uh, no, anyway, it's it's been a lot of fun. I'm sad to see it go. I think that it's going to be a really interesting last. We're gonna have a lot, a nice, a nice celebration at the end, but there's actual conversation to be had because, and then we started this a couple weeks ago, maybe last week. Does the show actually hold up? Is the question. It, I, mm. I firmly thought yes, and then it's it's going a different way now. But I, I can't let season eight taint my feelings towards the whole season. Well, there's a, there's a whole- we we have two discussions to have. Um, one is the bigger picture of, you know, obviously how does it hold up? How do we, you know, looking at it from 20 years later, how do we feel about it? You know, but before we have that, we really have to decide if season eight is canon. And uh, Keith, before we do that, speaking of that, in fact. Yes, in fact, I'm ready to go. I have it. I've already pulled it up, sir. What a great segue. It's a great segue. I was going to do it. We we always love to talk, Keith and I, endlessly, as you can tell, as we're literally already 10 minutes in of nonsense, but... What we've always valued most on this show and will continue in all of our podcasting ventures going forward is valuing the opinion of our viewers, whether they agree or not with us. And uh, no one has been more prolific in their feedback as friend, moderator, and guy who used to do full voice and just like (laughs) us started to phone in it a little bit. He's emailed in this week. Friend of the show, Phoenix Cage, in a little segment we call... Nailed it. That was the longest run-up I have ever heard in my life. Nailed it. That run-up was longer than a Phoenix message. Good Lord, you want to put some music underneath it? or? I know. Okay. What does he say? All right, so uh, Phoenix says, and this is I think this is very interesting, I assume, because I haven't read it. Uh, the question you pose is, is season eight canon to the practice? Yes, it is. Well, something very similar happened on Scrubs season nine. Only two out of the seven main characters stayed on, with a few more showing up as guest stars in several episodes. It was no longer set at the hospital, and instead was a medical story was in a medical school where the remaining characters served as teachers. Even the show's narrator and protagonist was replaced by a new character. It basically became a new show right from the start of the season. And yet, 
it didn't feel as sudden and off-putting as the transition that we're currently seeing on the practice. In part because in Scrub Season 9, JD occasionally returned to act as a mentor to the show's new protagonist, mm. Lucy. But if you asked most Scrubs fans, they would not say Season 9 was truly part of the series. I really enjoyed it. The actors were incredibly talented, and many went on to have their own shows. Though I can see why people felt that way, the tone of the show was different. So with that, I will come back to your question and answer it with a question. Is the tone of the practice in Season 8 the same as it was before? If not, is it just this episode, and perhaps the following three that are different? Or did the tone shift as soon as Alan Shore arrived? To me, it's not clear. So I think it's something you'll have to revisit as you're going back over all the episodes in the season oopsies, and perhaps also while you're reviewing the show as a whole. I believe then you can officially decide whether or not season eight is definitively canon to the practice, or just one long backdoor pilot for Boston Legal. As the jury foreman, I will be looking forward to hearing your closing arguments. Ah, yeah, I mean, that's... When did the tone shift? That's a very good question. And I think, I mean, for me, I think, as as we've probably discussed, it's, it's not much of a um, spoiler to say that I think the tone shifted the minute Alan Shore showed up. I would agree, but there's a, it's, it's a deeper conversation because I think I'm going to real cursory kind of overview here before I don't want to dive too deep into it, but Early on in the series, even in the first kind of few seasons where we were finding our footing, we it was basically we were taking on clients who were of ill repute in many ways and having to defend them, almost, almost kind of feeling icky about it, but we were bringing dignity, we we're learning to bring dignity to that profession and to finding what our ideals were, right? Who are mm -hmm. these people who who defend the defenseless in many ways? That's sort of loosely kind of what it was about, and I really enjoyed that because it's a it's a moral gray area that we're exploring. And then it kind of there was a shift in tone where it became more uh, personal drama. Mm -hmm. We were dealing with a lot of personal dramas, which was a tone shift. There was another beat change when we decided that ratings were down, so we became we took on more sensationalized storylines, and it became mm -hmm. mostly that. And then there was a tonal shift where it became kind of like where we we started to joke about jumping the shark, where it was just like ridiculous stuff. And yeah. then we started being the client. Then it just went. And then then this is the latest tone shift. So I would say there's probably three s serious tone shifts over the whole run. Yeah, you know, I I think that's a very good point. Um, I think an argument could be made that the show was just never tonally consistent. And it, like it's it it wasn't that it changed. It's that it never wasn't was at rest. And mm -hmm. I think I think yeah. I think maybe in our in our finale finale we can talk about the eras of the practice. Mm -hmm. And because if you if you even the show looked very different. Because if you remember, the first couple of seasons were very desaturated, were very, much more naturalistic, and then it became, it's almost like, you know, you turned up the saturation throughout the series, and that came out both in the storytelling and in the characterizations and um, and all of this. And and I think, I, I think about Alan Shore, 
And we've made this comparison before, or I think um, as far as Jorge or somebody made the comparison between Alan Shore and Joey Herrick. And we discussed, like, how how much fun would it have been? Because we had Joey, like, oh, wouldn't it be great if Joey were a main character and he were on the show every week? And I think we're seeing the downsides of that. That like it would get it would be it would be a bit much like this it would it's too much of one type of seasoning on the steak. Here's where I think the show has been most egregious. Here here's what I think thus far, and there's still a couple weeks for me to change my mind. But so far, what I think my post mortem of the two major uh, heartbreaks of this series is mm. one. So whatever our feelings on Alan Shore and and the and uh, Boston Legal, which I can't formulate because I didn't watch the series, so people loved it. It's clearly more successful than the practice was. Uh, we've even even the little bit of like pilots we've watched over the past few weeks, give or take the tastes that have changed slightly. Alan Shore and uh, Denny Crane are very compelling, very funny. There's clearly some chemistry there. Clearly. A spark has been sparked, and mm-hmm. it's off on its way. I would say that it's at the exp- – their sort of uh, – the beginnings, the the impetus of that show and that, that relationship is unfortunately marred in season eight of the, of the practice by the fact that it's in spite of and in the face of, like, practice fans. It's – like we talked about last mm-hmm. week, like all of our characters were – thrown to the side that we've come to love and this new thing is taking place. And so it's, it's almost, I have a feelings of like a jilted ex lover watching like my new, my, my old girlfriend, like dating somebody new and like going off <laughs> and being happy. And you're like, I want to be happy, but I can only feel jilted because it's at the expense of all the stuff I loved. Yes. So, and uh, although I will say that from the standpoint of a, of a writer and, a, and somebody trying to eat in this yeah. business, um, you, you go with what works. You, well, you you go with what's going to feed you, mm-hmm. right? And and I think that the the practicalities really do sometimes override even what you would do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like if if you're if you're a chef and you know the the burger that you wish wasn't on the menu is your top selling thing. Well, goddamn, you're going to put out some burgers because well, I think you it's eat. Dub- but it's double sad because I think the bigger egregion. That's a word I made up, and I'm keeping it. Mm, okay, great. Is last season when we didn't know if we were getting canceled or not, and so he didn't give a proper send off to the show, the series regulars. Yeah. There was no. It was a very unsatisfying, narratively, emotionally ending for everybody, basically. And now in this new season, where you were given an opportunity to perhaps sunset the series, sunset the characters that are remaining in a way that makes up for that, like, unceremonious firing of everyone. Right. You don't make mention of them. There is no context. We have three episodes, so I'll leave it open, but it doesn't seem like we're going on this road. I don't know where Bobby is. I don't know where Rebecca is. I don't know what happened to anybody, right? Yeah. Or what their tie to the firm is. How did did they sell it? They just quit? Like, what happened? Nothing. And it doesn't (laughs) seem like Eugene— uh, Jimmy, maybe Eugene or uh, Eleanor is getting any sort of like satisfying ride off into the sunset. We just went like new show, bye. Yeah, yeah. And Jimmy for well, satisfying sunset, it's I'm gonna buy a house and uh, 
worry about somebody bugged my cousin's ass. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think we should probably table this until right, we get right. through the last three episodes. This is a great discussion for the finale finale. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But I will say I'm also a little pre-wistful about the end of this. I'm uh, working on some stuff for the finale finale. And, uh, uh, you know, I was on some musical stuff and I started to feel the feels a little bit, yeah. which was, uh, you know, it's going to be a thing. So, so Keith and I uh, are watching Deep Space Nine. I we got to post a question about if we'll be doing any other television watchings, and and all I'll say is, we shan't, we will not be limited to the Star Trek universe going forward. As though, even though that our current shows are all remaining our Star Trek, we've got there will be other things. I demand it. Okay, well, gosh, if if Mike demands, we're gonna do it. We so. might need some financial help though to make that happen. So, uh, <laughs> Patreon.com/slash K and M. Check us yes, out. and you can join Cloud Lover 69, Cloud Lover 69, Jorge Navoa, Alan Zimmerman, Brian Kaufman, Casey Clark, The Mysterious Ann, CRM Productions, and Charles Babbage. All right, uh, we desperately need to move forward. And we move forward on this show by moving backward and hopping into the time machine to talk about April 25th, the year 2004, and what we were doing. This day in the basement. Keith. 2004, I was living in Brooklyn, and I, uh, I'm i working on a PC that I built here, but I had purchased a shuttle PC, which was a brand of shuttle, a uh, brand of PCs uh, in the early aughts, where uh, it was a mini PC, so it was like a little, it was about 11 inches long, 6 inches wide, and it was like a very compact little PC. It was great that I had taken because I was... Uh, returning to take a couple of uh, creative writing classes at the new school university. I didn't uh, know you were doing that. Yeah. Uh, in addition, I wish I had not done that. It's, that's a whole different conversation, but whatever. In addition to that, I started replaying a bunch of early LucasArts point-and-click adventure games, which was something I absolutely adored when I was in middle school and high school. And so you mean I decided, like Space Quest and King's Quest. I, and, no, that's the Sierra one. So I a little bit. Uh, so I went up to the Lucas Films, which or Lucas Arts, which was Sam and Max hit the road, and the entire Monkey Island series. If you've never go, played uh, Monkey Island, Return to Monkey Island, uh, Chuck's Le, Reven, Le Chuck's Revenge, and I forget what the third one was called, and then uh, they put out some episodic ones in two thousand eight or whatever. I think. Anyway, there's some of the best writing. It was Ron Gilbert and uh, Tim Schafer originally. Just amazingly funny writing. I love point-and-click adventure games. And so I bring this all up to say it's a great parallel because they just announced that coming out in 2022, Ron Gilbert got the old team back together again, and they're doing another Monkey Island game that will be out this year. So if you've never had a chance to go back and play the old Monkey Island games, I highly recommend they all hold up. They're all still funny. And on top of that, a little spoiler alert, instead of more TV, this other thing, I forgot, they've point-and-click adventure games are still a thing. I'm not going to go down that. But I love a little puzzler game that you can kind of just, like, play some puzzles on. There's one, Keith, I think you would actually really adore. Did you ever play Myst and those kind of, like, environmental puzzle games? I did play Myst back in the day, yeah. So those have kind of evolved a little bit into, like, there's this, this series of games. It's a few years old, but I just kind of came across it. You can play them on PC or on mobile, turns out. And it's called The Room, The Room 2, The Room 3, and now there's a Room 4. You're tearing me apart, Lisa. There's a little isolated, there are little isolated puzzle box games. Like you have this little trinket, 
and you've got to get inside that trinket. And there's like all these puzzles and little things. You got to find the key that goes into this and the gym and the shim that goes over there, blah, blah, blah. So good. So well done. It's by a studio called Fireproof Games. Mike puts a firm recommend. There's a little narrative behind it, like what's going on, blah, blah, blah. So I'm ending this time machine with play the Monkey Island games and all the LucasArts games and play the room games. Uh, Play some games. Go game, folks. Find some free time and play some games. Keith. Well, what my my puzzle box is assembling a musical. That is the most difficult puzzle yeah, I have ever worked go. on in my life. But I want to know more about your creative writing career. We'll talk about that off air. Uh, all right. So uh, I was going back. I was visiting Vermont this week. Uh, skinny, skinny me. Uh, seeing all these pictures of myself, like half of my weight, uh, running around in Vermont. And uh, this isn't. An interesting thing to sort of see in contact. We talk about um, how things age over 20 years and and whether it was okay then versus whether it's okay now, whether it was never okay. Uh, my uh, my grandfather, who was a, uh, we talked about on the show a fair amount, he was a theater director in community theater. And at this point, he was deep into rehearsals for a production of King and I which was one of his favorite shows. It's a, it's a wonderful show, and, and his production was, was wonderful. Um, I saw it on video, but they were in rehearsals right now, and we're seeing all these pictures with a, like a million of the kids from Vermont and all of their hair dyed black, and it's pretty much a 99% white cast for mm-hmm. King and I. Okay. Well. And it's really... Uh, I mean, it was it was a little startling then, right? But seeing it now, I'm like, whoa, yikes! Uh, and it's it's tough because it's Vermont. You and he, I'm sure his point of view would be like, but King and I is a great show. I want to do King and I, and you know, you can't really do that anymore. And it's and it was it was very startling to see that. So anyway, uh, it. it, it as inappropriate and as undoable as it would be now, and probably was then, all of the intentions were were very, very good. So um, anyway, so that's what was happening. <laughs> and I was just looking at those pictures like, ooh, ee, ugh. Anyway, it was April 25th, the year 2004. I think we should zoom out and continue talking about... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay. Yeah. If you're wondering, hey, is that still yeah? Yeah, it is. This is, of course, yeah, with my usher, usher featuring Lil John and Ludacris. Mike, who are we listening to today? Oh, Keith, we are listening to the saxophone viola solo of Usher's Yeah, covered by Pinchuk and Nika Puruk. And you can check them out at Pinchuk Violin on YouTube. They've only got 62 subscribers, so give them a subscribe for all of your saxophone viola cover needs. Pinchuk. Wait, is it viola or violin? Uh, it's probably a violin. Okay, I thought it, the, the low tones I'm hearing is the is the saxophone. So, uh, I, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, sure she plays both. I'm sure she. Plays I would. Both. I would love like a saxophone and viola band. That would be the most like specifically random thing I've ever heard in my life. But you know, I have a viola player in the family, so gotta love, gotta support the violas. 
All right, so the local Berlin Free Press talked about Bennington Hang's future on bypass. Uh, there was a lot of uh, interstate bypass infrastructure dramas going on in Vermont at the time. There was the the Essex one and Bennington, and uh, there we are. The top movie was Man on Fire, which was a Denzel, Denzel, Denzel. feature, which uh, took in $22 million. Uh, you know what it's time for. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. sports the Philadelphia sports. Hockey Flyers took a two to nothing lead over Toronto Hockey Leafs in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Flyers enforcer Donald Brashear scored the opening goal in the first period. Leafs enforcer Ty Domi tied it in the second, and Alex Jamnoff caught at the game winner for Philly in the third. The series would head to Toronto for games three and four. I'm a human being, god damn it! My life has value, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! It's time to talk about the damn episode! Okay, this episode is The Practice, Season 8, Episode 20, entitled Comings and Goings. Uh, definitely feels like we're in the transitionary period. It was written by David E. Kelly, of course, and directed by Jeannot Soir, perhaps the most prolific director of The Practice, which uh, leaves us with only one more thing to do before we watch this episode. And happily, for those of you who are have been wondering what on earth is happening to my day, these guys have wasted almost 25 minutes, almost 30 minutes of our life at this point. This episode is only... 40 minutes long. Mm. But first. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? 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 What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? You know... I'm sure a lot of stuff's going to happen in this episode. Yeah, some mm. comings. A few goings. A few goings, yeah. There's only one thing that I want to see, and there's only one thing I'm interested in, Keith. Mm, what's that, Mike? I want a serious exploration, adjudication, mm-hmm. investigation of what happened to Vimy Babacuchulo's asshole. All right? <laughs> <laughs> Was it bugged? Did the FBI, the FBI implant... Recording device in his bung to find out if he's selling the weed. I want it. I want it explored. I want it in the case. I want it. Uh, what's the word? You know, uh, litigated. All right. That's all. I. That's it. Open and shut. That's all Mike wants, and that's what Mike thinks is going to happen. What happened to Vinny Bapacuccio's bunghole? Is it open? Is it shut? Mike and Deglio wants to know. Let's find out. <laughs> Wow. Oh, that's a thing I said on the internet. Sure is. <laughs> the season, what? The practice. Season eight. Oh, what's happening? Episode, uh, I don't know. What is it? 20. 20. Vinny Babacuchalo's asshole. Come, oh, no, that's not, the, that's not the title. Comings and goings. I do not. Out of? Do secretarial work. Lucy will be in at noon. Fine, then have her do it. I have cases. Jamie, come on. Just... What are you doing, Can I Eugene? Ask you a second. I thought we concluded our conversation. This'll just take a second. 
Please. Who's this guy? I know that lawyer from somewhere. Okay, folks. This is Ivar Ivar Brogger as Kevin Stadler. Uh, Mike, I know. I know what's going on in your head. You're like, uh, hey, hey, wait a minute. Uh, didn't wasn't he John Blair in Rhyme and Reason? We're You're not supposed, supposed to know this. That you've been on the show before, but now you get twice the residuals rhyming at your door. So welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize that I saw you in season two and you met your demise. At first you were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance, man. Oh, that that's all. That's it. Because he he was he was in rhyme and reason. Gotcha. I'm still caught up on Eugene asking Jamie What's to be the about? secretary for the day. That was Kevin Stadler. He's from Hollings and Gray, the firm that Eugene interviewed for. Oh. I thought he turned that down. I really wasn't interviewing you on behalf of our firm, Eugene. What do you mean? I don't know if you're familiar with Governor Romney's new judicial nominating process. That's Governor Mitt Romney. The governor feels it can be much more. Forgot he was governor of Massachusetts. I was engaged by the governor's council as an early screener. What are you talking about? I was interviewing you. As a potential superior court judge. No, hold on. A judge? If you're interested, I'd love to submit your name to the governor's council. To be a superior court judge? To be a superior court judge. I think he would look good in those robes, Keith. Yes, he would. Yeah, I mean, okay. You know, we want to uh, figure out where people are going to end up and and uh, try to stick the landing a little bit. This seems like a, a promising way to go, and I feel like Eugene would be a terrific judge. I do too. Now, they would, don't they do, like, don't they vet you up and stuff? Like, would they find any skeletons in your closet or babies on your doorstep? He, that was Bobby. Bobby did that. I know. Aided and abetted, honey. Well, but it wasn't a crime necessarily. You're right. Is it they a crime? Lo- I don't know. You know, I would sharper minds might know. Get the doctor's report and then we'll talk, okay? Thanks, oh, sir. Oh, okay. Jimmy. Vinny Hey, Gigi. Go in the conference room. Wait, hey, we know we've met Gigi before too. You take me next. No, we have Mr. not. But I. Uh, but I'll tell you. Millie Trevally, her husband, bitter. She- Lady that Mike thinks he knows from the practice, but we don't know from the practice. Are you sure we didn't meet her earlier on? I'm pretty sure. Well, this I mean, is, okay. of course, Debbie Mazar from uh, Empire Records, Entourage, The Insider, Younger, Grand Theft Auto, the series, or the video games, L.A. Law. And what I think is, I, I did not know about her, and I thought was pretty interesting. She was a backup dancer in the Madonna music video, Everybody. Huh. I, I definitely know her from Younger, which is a thing that I watched for reasons. 
Right Son Foster! Fire. I'll you as soon as I can. Susie, could you get Mrs. Trevally some coffee? Please? I'd love some myself. We don't got any. Whoa. Maybe you could get some? Oh, yeah, like I got nothing oh, to no. do. Oh, no. Shots fired. She's great in anything goes. Thanks. It's the happiest moment in my life. Whoa. Whoa, we're going to talk offline about I that. Sutton Foster is a national treasure, God damn it! They claim there was no device inserted into your person. Well, of course they're going to say that. Manny. They must have got some mind-reading psychic. And going into a person's head, you should need a warrant for that, too. This is how he got labeled. I got a buddy in the bureau. I'll talk to him. But we need to think about a plea. Now look, never mind plea. I got a friend. And I can give them something they want, Jimmy. My friend spent some time in the oil business, and he knows where they are. Knows where who are. Not who. The bodies. What? Oh. The weapons Ooh. of mass destruction. Ooh. The FBI's been trying to redeem themselves in this Wanna arena. Wanna hear me eat, guys? You get the charges dropped, I'll give no. them the big WMD. This could be why they went into my ass to begin with. Okay, Together. so, to just to, first of all, Mike is getting what he wants. Mm -hmm, Maybe it's mm -hmm. not the serious nature I had expected or wanted, but we are getting... Wait, did you expect a serious conclusion no. to the what's in Michael Bakabujibuju's butthole? Uh, Vinny Babalukio. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> and so where we are now, folks, in case you had uh, tuned it out, is in exchange for the FBI admitting that they had bugged his ass, he's going to give them the location of the weapons of mass destruction that uh, Bush couldn't find, mm. but said he did. Yeah. Intelligence. Yeah. Intelligence. Sports ball. All right, hold on. Gee, you're certainly a good hockey player. So, what so while uh, while Mike eats disgustingly on camera. Uh, I'm going to, we, we have just seen on our television, we're about to have a story about a hockey player who assaulted another hockey player on the ice with the video uh, very reminiscent of a certain hockey experience. And luckily, uh, super hockey fan, me, is ready to give you the deep dive of what this story is all about. This is a direct reference and retelling of the Todd Bertuzzi incident. Uh, in which he assault, attacked and broke the neck of Steve Moore on the ice. Moore had injured the Canucks captain earlier that season, um, and uh, to the point where uh, the uh, Detroit player Brad May, or Canucks player Brad May, issued a bounty on Moore, and uh, Bertuzzi attacked him and uh, was charged with assault, um, which is a. Uh, Obviously, there's fighting in hockey all the time, and uh, it was rare for somebody to be charged with assault for something that happened on the ice. He event eventually uh, got one year probation. He settled out of court in the lawsuit, and uh, Steve Moore never played again. Um, but what I think is is really amazing about this storyline, and I, I have a lot of thoughts about where David E. Kelly comes down on all of this, but that this episode, as we mentioned, aired... On April 24th, the year 2004, the incident we're talking about happened on March 8, 2004. It was less than two months after it happened on the ice. Was this a storyline that was not just written and shot, but actually broadcast? Which uh, certainly, I think, helps us explain a little bit about the immediacy 
of what's happening on the show and behind the scenes um, that this was clearly... So if this happened on March 8th, the soonest they possibly could have incorporated it would be like three, four, five weeks after that. So we're this is happening, broadcasting and filming back to back pretty soon after. Um, so anyway. It's actually a, a really interesting conversation because, all right, real quickly, like you've got football. Well, our violence is part of the game, but it's not the intent, right? It's not, we're not trying to hurt the person, right? So you can see injuries or they bend their knee backwards and all kinds of serious injuries, gruesome, life-altering. But, oh, yeah. But that's a byproduct of the risk assessed and taken by the players. Whereas in hockey, though fighting is allowed, it's more sort of, it's not a, it's not a, a rule-based part of the game, right? It's more of a sort of just a thing they let happen and it's not really there's not gui- there's no guidelines and so ooh well there are unwritten rules it's like baseball oh if you bean our best player twice in a game or he hits three home runs then you're allowed to bean him there's all these unwritten rules but rules in soft quotes because they're not like in the bylaws they're understood but at the same time if because Bryce Harper I'm using specific people because your best player hit two home runs and maybe celebrated a little too much you throw a 95-mile-hour fastball at his face and break his face and end his career, can he then sue you? What, you know, what are the implications? Great example. I was at a baseball game a few weeks ago, ago, two weeks ago, and foul ball, it says everywhere, you assume the risk. You come into the stadium. If, if foul ball comes away, you got to pay attention. Foul ball got hit, and it smashed this kid who's maybe eight, Ugh. nine years old in the face, okay? Ugh. Luckily, it ricocheted off a seat or whatever, and it didn't. it wasn't serious damage, but... They came up there, and they're giving them a baseball. They gave them a bat. They gave them tickets to the next game. You know, they do everything they can do to try to, like— But I think that's because even though they say it's assumed risk, I suspect you could probably still sue them for smashing you in the face with a baseball. So sports is a—we were talking about this on the Star Trek show, about how sports in in their future kind of sunset away a little bit. Like— And maybe why that is, or do we evolve as a culture, or what? You know, that's kind of an interesting exploration. But sports is still, in many ways, a, a sort of a, a byproduct of our violent pasts. And it's interesting when you ex- in, in, introduce the law and how we, we think we're protecting people into that. I'm, I hope that there's a, a cool, nuanced discussion about this. The, they're going to say a lot, and I'm going to have a lot of feelings about it. So Ooh. we're going to—I think we're going to have an interesting discussion, Michael. Sports ball! This man— and do steal your puck? He took out one of our best players a few weeks ago. Took out on a date? Excuse me, new guy. I wouldn't want the client to think we're not taking this seriously. Maybe you should take over so I can observe. The hockey player here is played by Paul Genet. Mike, the problem we have, in addition to the attack itself, you went on record the night before saying you were going to get him. So it's difficult for us to say it was some sudden outbreak of emotion. Do you see our dilemma? This is Rebecca the DeMornay, reply of course. The whole sentence would be positively stunning. Mention has been made of the code. What exactly is the code? It means if you take out one of our guys, we'll go after one of yours. It's, you know, payback, eh? I'd need you to drop the A, it sounds Canadian. I am Canadian. I realize this, but I'd like to paint you American. See, in America, if somebody commits a vicious, unprovoked attack, best to cloak it with patriotism. This just in, 
low-lying fruit, Keith. Low-lying fruit. Well, and also, I mean, <laughs> here's where the the hockey part of me comes in. Uh, the code is much more complex and deep than eye for an eye. In fact, the code, uh, as it relates to fighting, is uh, most of the code is written to protect you from actual injury. Uh, part of the reasons that you have fights is to prevent injury, not to cause injury. But uh, it's a it's sort of like a longer explanation as to why. But uh, you uh, you go and you do a little play fighting and and do some punchy punches as opposed to going after somebody's knees or heads or uh, actually you know actually trying to harm somebody. Whereas your chances of hurting somebody in a fight are much less than if you try to hit them in the head with your shoulder or take out their knee, so on and so forth. I'm not going to agree with what happens in this show. Oh, hello. I can see you're observing again. Am I knotted tightly enough for you? A judge? Can you believe it? No. I mean, I can. I, I can believe you'd be a great candidate. So would this be something you might be interested in? Eugene, I think it would be great. I yeah, do. Yeah, dude, of course he's interested. It would be fabulous if... First of all, it's not at the point where I even have to ask myself whether or not... Eugene, clearly it is at that point. If you're interested, the process continues. If you're not... So are you? I don't know. It's all so sudden and, uh, I... I just need to think. Steve Harris getting the script this week. So, David, uh, awesome turn for Eugene. Really cool. I'm guessing this means I'm not going to be on Boston Legal? <laughs> Might be a guest star, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Alan is at Coyote Ugly. Is there a apparently. reason we're having drinks at a frat house? It's not normally like this. Why am I here at all? Because I think we need to set some ground rules. How are we doing? We're having a private conversation. Why are you so rude? It's a bar. That's your job. I saw that. Saw what? You need to be clear on a few things, Mr. Short. If you... Something wrong? Other than oh, your there's nature? a lady who took her shirt right off back. on top of the bar. For those of you not watching this. And she's dancing. This just in, Keith. Alan and that girl are going to do a Tara. And we are discovering that... Oh, it's... It's Lake Bell's character! It's Sally Heap. 
who was slut shamed earlier. I mean, by last the earlier, I mean last episode. And now she's dancing on the bar with her shirt off for reasons. Man, they really they really wrote her into a corner fast. Wow. If you won't fire her, I will. We can't summarily hire and fire people. Danny just... Crane summarily hired Alan Shore. He's Danny this Crane. You're not Look, Matt, again. Even you can't defend. Wait, so just for clarity's sake, because I was stuffing my when face. When you get a free moment, could you come was to she, my office? Was she also working at the bar, or she just was, like, having some time with her friends? She was and just, just like, having some time. baby. She was having some time at the bar with her friends, which, uh, outside of the movie Coyote Ugly, which sort of made it famous, um, no, I, granted, I'm me, and I think anyone who, uh, you know, has heard this for 170 episodes knows, like, I'm, I'm me, but, like, does that ever even freaking happen or is that just an invention of male gaze and movies uh well i'll say that i've been to some bars that get that in my youth that have gotten kind of rowdy and i've seen i've definitely seen people very having a very good time jump up on tables and dance but i don't think i've ever seen them at like a regular bar like just like drop trowel and dance that seems very and she wasn't like with her buddy she was just like by herself just like by herself and also like as far as i could tell and the inference was this was a normal bar mm-hmm. and this was after work so like at five o'clock in the afternoon there's actually a, a more interesting episode where maybe as a second job she's like an exotic dancer for some month for a side hustle for some extra cash and like that makes a little bit more sense actually sure well, I mean, and, and perfectly understandable. Uh, but however, she makes 160 grand a year. We learned that last week. Yeah, but, but maybe she wants 300k. Please. Oh, maybe she does. It's, it's my personal and private time. This firm does not own me. Matthew, she seems to think the firm doesn't own her. When you get a free moment, please. Were you dancing in some bar last night? Without wardrobe? Well, here's the thing. Insurance companies don't like I mean, to pay out it is her prerogative. against spouse. Of course it is. What they call that should be in the discussion. Which sort of intentional biting would be. Get him to bump you accidentally also, like with the car. it's ridiculous. And just men invented that as a, a thing women would want to do. Manny, a second... Of course, this day it would be like finding her TikTok. Please, don't counsel my clients. I had legal schooling, Jimmy. You're not a lawyer. Oh, excuse me. This is Billy Gardell. Listen, I talked to my friend at the bureau. Your ass wasn't bugged. What did you expect that they were going to Manny, please don't talk for a second, okay? They got what they got on you through an informant. He wouldn't tell me who the informant was, but uh, did you know Gigi got arrested three weeks ago? My Gigi? DUI. They found oh, some pot in the glove compartment. Enough to get her on intent. She never told me this. The bus went nowhere. Case was tossed. I think it's possible she flipped you, Manny. Gigi? That's what happened to George Papadopoulos' butthole. This isn't a possible thing, Jimmy. She's my fiance. She loves me. She his ass wasn't bugged. Handsome. I'd like to his talk to her. His fiance sold his ass down the Gigi. river. Manny, this is your business. I'm not going to do nothing you don't want me to. But I'm concerned. If this is the woman you're going to marry, and if she flipped you, can I have a conversation with her? 
Fine, but you're wrong. I hope to God I am. I hope your ass was bugged. Manny. I hope if they put an entire Sputnik the up there. Not, you're cool. But if you do... Avoiding the obvious joke. Avoiding the obvious Just joke. Just let me talk to her. I won't say nothing. It was an assault. The fact that it took place during a professional hockey game doesn't mean this oh, guy... Oh, come on, Jeffrey. You have 4,000 reported assaults every year. Less than half lead to charges. Hannah, if you were still here, you'd prosecute. I certainly would not. He repeatedly punched a defenseless man. He doesn't get some special I exemption because he did it during a sporting In fact, uh, before I introduce this, this uh, prosecutor here, uh, the code... Part of the one of the most important rules of the code is that you don't punch a defenseless man. In fact, the code is specifically designed so that you don't do that. So by inferring that uh, this happened because of the code, the code means you never punch a guy who can't defend himself. Once a guy, if somebody is injured, you stop immediately. This is why you don't use your sticks. You don't use your skates. It has to be a fair fight. That's the code. Sorry, strong feelings. Did anyway, you order the code red, Keith? I you're gonna get code red by the Did end of this episode. Did you order the me. code red? Tell me the truth. I want the truth. Not, I'm not. I'm not gonna give it to you. Not. Uh, but we should introduce this guy. Uh, sorry, this Excuse is Gregory Allen Williams, who you'd know from old school Terminator Genesis, The Righteous Gemstones. Uh, God damn, that show's great good. Great show. I love that show. Uh, the District, West Wing, and I just realized how I really know Gregory Allen, Allen Williams from Baywatch and Baywatch Nights. Keith, give us your best slow motion run. Oh, Great if you're radio. just listening, it's if you're just listening, radio. oh my God, his pecs are flexing. It would be illegal Oof. to run so somebody down and flatten them yet in football. <laughs> Boxers try to knock each other unconscious. The actual intent of the sport is assault. Imagine throwing a hard object 100 miles per hour at somebody's head. That's grounds for attempted murder. But if the victim crowds the plate, fighting is part of hockey. May I speak for a second? You are speaking. Oh. Sometimes I become so wrapped with my own words, it feels more like a listening experience. Look, we're gathered here today because of the media. I suspect if the firestorm died down, so would your urge to be Javert. Suppose <laughs> this man were severely punished by the League. How about we get our justice that way? First of all, I'm not the commissioner of the League. I'm offering you the chance to be. Name your punishment. Name it. Out of the playoffs. And the next two years. Done. So the Done. The, the the person who was How assaulted I mean, the commissioner. is the My one pressing will be charges. Suspended for two full seasons plus playoffs. <laughs> well, this, I hate to break your in momentum, this case, this is the, the DA, so it's not a civil yes, case. Know. It's a criminal case. Because you say so. Because I say so. Congratulations, Mr. District Attorney. You've just so can the change. DA make unilateral decisions about no the the league how no, long the league no of course not so that's weird no. right. No, well, I mean, Alan's going to try to strong arm it himself. But, you know, Alan's points there about fighting in hockey in general, about, like, I am way more, like, I, 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 I'm I, going to, like, make a passionate defense of fighting in hockey and yet say, I can't watch boxing or MMA because I can't, I can't stomach it as an intentional, the objective of 
boxing and MMA is the injury of another person. Well, and specifically I, a head injury. You know, once you knock somebody out, you have injured their brain to the point where the it's as an emergency attempt to save their life, they're making the person unconscious. Like the intention of it is injury. That is how it ends with injury. That is the point. Whereas in hockey, fighting, the objective of fighting is never injury. If injury happens, it's happened as a by accident, not by objective. Well, that's if everybody agrees to and is playing by those rules. But I, there's, it's very much the point. That's like saying, oh, I meant to beat him in the back, but my fastball got away and hit him in the head. I mean, you can't, when, when in any type of violence, you cannot, you cannot definitively predict the outcome. And so because the general code says, oh, we, we're not taking them out, doesn't mean that someone who's extra pissed because if, if it's coming from a place of anger and premeditated anger, it it's that's too I, I hear what you're saying, but I think it's too small a, 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 a an eye to thread. Well, but this but this is a perfect example though. And and like this the Todd Bertuzzi incident, which this is based on, is where a player I think should be charged. Like I, I'm I'm actually like on the side of charging him with, with an assault because it breaks the code. Not because it's following the code, because the you know the the difference between throwing a baseball that has the risk of hitting somebody in the face and a hockey fight is, according to the code, you can't fight somebody who is not willing to fight you. Right? You offer to fight. You are, you you are both making the informed decision to fight. And what made this different was Steve Moore wasn't fighting back. That's why he got injured. So he was not participating in the fight. Now, I mean, that he probably should have. He deserved to. But if you don't, you can't just, you know, it's you funny. It kind of harkens somebody. back to it, it, it harkens back to I was just watching Hamilton the other day on Fourth of July, and you know, in order to engage in a duel where your right. purpose is is to injure if not kill someone, not only do they kind of like both agree they're going to duel, but there's like. 47 letters that get sent back and forth agreeing upon yeah. the terms of the duel. There, there's, then, there's a whole product. There's a whole, whole yeah. protocol. And, and, you know, if you actually like, you know, have uh, if, watch hockey games or isn't the mic'd up frequently, there's a discussion. Would you like to fight? Yes or no. Or like it, it, it's, it's, you don't like they're talking to each other as it's happening. It's not an assault. It's an agreement to fight. Um, I think and if fair, it's not that, then it is an assault, and you should be charged. I think that's. I think. I think in these terms, oversimplification is actually the most beneficial to what you said, because a lot of people that aren't sports people and who don't want to get into the weeds or the nuance, and they have every right to feel that way, right? They can just be like, I, "This shit is barbaric. I want no part of it." Totally sure. fair. Totally valid. So you have to break it down to what I think. What you just said, consent, right? Are we engaging consent. in this? Risk, are we taking this risk assessment and going for it? So that's that's yeah. and, I think we're, where I'm going to come from right now. We're we're choosing to take this risk, you know, as a way, as a proxy, for actually trying to injure somebody. Keith didn't right. want to hear a, me eat, so I muted my microphone. I think that that was fair. Uh, if we had, if he had agreed, I would have chomped away. But you know, chalky. <laughs> for the better. By the way, I may need to invoke the power of your office a little, not to worry. The dynamic between her and Alan is it not It doesn't necessarily to me mean yet. he's leaving. Oh my god. Jamie, even if he's thinking about leaving Eleanor, this place will collapse. 
my job, my outfit. Can't we be happy for Eugene for a second? Jesus, everybody. It's and a also, long shot that he'll even wait, be back selected. Up what you just so said there. Get, well, who are you? I don't know how to do. I don't know how to do that He's on black. this. I'm using a different thing. Oh wait, right, so, never now mind. I'm hearing it. So, now we have to. Romney is desperate to appoint black. Well, it's not even that. Desperate to Her appoint reasons? black judges. Is that it? He's black. So, so Romney. Oh my God, Jamie. Even if he's go. thinking about leaving Eleanor, this place will collapse. My job, my outfit. Could you please calm down? My He's outfits. Going on a few My interviews. outfits. Yes. It's a long shot that he'll even be seen. Sammy Kelly's so like, you know what? Who are you kidding? Burn it all down. He's I, back. I'm. So. <sighs> so Romney is desperate to appoint black judges. Is that it? They want me because I'm black. No. 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 Check that. Yes. In part. I mean, he's never going to appoint an unqualified candidate. You're definitely qualified, so you can get off that horse. But all things being equal. How prescient, Keith. I was at a barbecue a few weeks ago, and I'm, I don't want to get into the politics of this, but I'm just stating this is an argument clearly written in 19, in 2004. I was in a barbecue, a barbecue two weeks ago, three weeks ago, mm -hmm. and the Supreme Court now came up and the argument being had was, and we had listened to the hearings, and uh, uh, the uh, and the person making the argument against was saying that uh, our new our newest justice was mm -hmm. should be insulted because Biden had said that he was only going to appoint a, a, a black female, okay, and that even though this person believed she was qualified, she should have renounced the. Uh, the nomination because it was made under the pretense that she was being chosen because she was black. And I was like, well, it wasn't, she wasn't, he was just limiting the field to that to ensure representation. He wasn't, it wasn't the only, it wasn't the only metric, but that's not the point. Uh, the, the point here is that Eugene has every right to be pissed right here. It, at no point. Yeah, no, I, and, and I, I think that, I think the, 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 there's a backwards insult in what that person was saying. It's, it's as if like, in each of these categories that we're trying to represent better isn't teeming with amazing qualified candidates. And it's, it's like, or just like bursting with people who haven't had opportunities, but have, but, but should it's, it's not, it's, it's not about, it doesn't lower it to limit it to that category. Cause that category is chock full of the right people. The point of my comment is, in some ways, the show is still very current. Yeah, no, and that's a, that's a fair discussion. He will tap the a weird black cheap candidate. shot about her outfit. Diversity is a big part of his executive on Reddit. So if you go for this, you'll probably get it. Which is great. Yeah, Jamie. Oh, great. Good job. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Jamie. Everybody's so concerned. <clears throat> about blowing up the firm, right? Oh, we're a family. We don't want to be, but, but they are fucking shitty to each other all of the time. Yeah. What? Why? Why do you want to stay together? Well, I guess for her, it's a wardrobe situation, but I thought last week <laughs> it's because we were a family and we love each other. Right? I mean, I'm only still doing this <laughs> podcast for the outfits. <laughs> I, I changed my shirt before we started because I was like, oh, you can read the company logo on my shirt. I should probably stop putting that on here. <laughs> hey, we're... We, 
as a shock, we're not recording during company time this week. That's true, yeah. This is all thanks to your patrons. Check us out and thank them by becoming one at patreon.com slash K&M. This isn't going to be a sexist conversation. Oh, no. You should invite Jamie Stringer over. She'd fit well in here. Let me start by saying... Turns out these are all people who auditioned for Lindsay six years ago, and now they're just putting them all on the show. The, well, I mean, actually, it's they're all, they all auditioned for Ally McBeal, because that's uh. how Lara Flynn Boyle got cast. Remember when she was on the show? <laughs> oh, my God! I believe in you, Sally. Look, she's right, she's on the show still. Because right I love you, Keith. Performance <laughs> True. against your potential. She was awesome, P.S. When you meet love Helen Gamble. When you imagine the question, what do you do? Pops almost immediately into the conversation. You answer, I'm an attorney at Crane Pool and Schmidt. When others describe you, smart girl, nice, works at Crane Pool and Schmidt. As much as you might like to lay claim to your personal time or private life, who you are and where you work are inextricably bound, Sally. There's truth to that. when you're standing in a public bar, on the bar, Half naked, thrusting your great divide as if it were a tourist attraction. There are people saying she's a lawyer at Cranepool and Schmidt. I gave you this speech last week. Now, as fine as your legal skills, you're representing the KNN Empire. You simply cannot have our associates engage in public, drunken, pornographic conduct. And if you can't be concerned with our firm's reputation, I should think you'd at least try to show a little respect for your own. Patrons, Mike just took his shirt off. <laughs> That's all. Patreon.com slash KNM. See Don't Mike subscribe. shake his moneymakers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That that wasn't as misogynistic as I thought. That was no. she was legit that's legit the right conversation to have. What do you mean he's practicing law? It says law officers on the door. And inside, I see law books and people going in and out limping and stuff. Right on Commercial Street? Commercial hey, Street. He's from. Uh, and you're sure his name is Bolivar? Sopranos, man. That's what it says on the door. Law offices. Guy taking a piss! That's right! This urinating mobster is played by Vincent Pastore, of course, from The Sopranos. Also from Carlito's Way, Shark Tale, and Revolver. They're uh, they're getting pretty concerned about Jimmy, huh? You, you put up when a shingle. When you're playing a goon, taking a piss at the moon, that's Pastore. That's right. Oh, he was also son. in Bullets People Over Broadway. There is no precedent for a two-year suspension. And even if I the were musical. to sanction that, I can assure you the players' union wouldn't. If you only knew. What would they do? Pull your jersey over your head and pummel you? Mr. Shore, the idea of... Mr. Burke, you will suspend Mr. Sears for two years this in consideration Patrick John Hurley. Forgive me, I'm parched. That's uh, NHL commissioner. In consideration for that, I've worked it out with the DA for the League not to be criminally prosecuted. The League? How are we liable for Massachusetts the General Laws, Chapter 274, Section 2, Aiding and Abetting. Anyone who assists, encourages, or promotes an assault can be charged as a principal. We don't do that. You don't do that. No, we don't. 
In your highlight videos, you show the brawls. You also show them on the big jumbotrons between periods. A Gordie Howe hat trick is considered to be a goal, an assist, and a fight. We penalize fighting. But you don't ban it. Every other professional sport does. If a player fights in football Except or baseball, boxing, he's gone. MMA, in your sport, he gets a standing all the fighting ovation. Sports. Mr. Shore, I'm Combat sure you're sport. a fine attorney. But you have no appreciation for what hockey is. I will state for the record, I'm not here to defend it or whatnot, but I'm a, I'm a very big combat sport fan. Love MMA, big fan of the sweet science, boxing, and also kickboxing and all uh, types of mixed martial yeah, arts. martial arts. Yeah, totally uh, a fan, but recognize you could make these arguments against, but it does seem a little cherry-picked. Well, I guess because of the, 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 the headlines, it doesn't make sense. Enormous appreciation for your sport, Mr. Burke. In fact, I have season tickets. Hockey is Bobby Orr. Hockey is Bobby Hull. Stan Makita, Wayne Gretzky. Hockey is speed, finesse, All of them skill, other than and power. Gretzky were fighters. None of which has anything to do with mayhem. Hockey is being debased with thuggery that your league not only condones, but encourages. No, bullshit. And you think if we just change the rule, it will stop. Yes. Well, you could make the argument—I I, I, I know where you're going to come down on this, but you could make the argument that he is hyperbolizing in order to get what he wants here. He clearly is a fan. He or is, you know, has the some of the cred to, to back it up. And sure, remember, but they are prosthesizing to, to an audience. You have to—hockey is not—the is not the ratings do not support that hockey is a very successful sport. Okay, so— Oh, it's wildly successful. It's just not dominant. It's not, it's not the dominant most in, in the United States, and you have to look at your demo for this show. Is probably not does not match with hockey, so they have to be very broad strokes here. Well, no, and I, I get that the 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 point that he's making that I'm disagreeing with is he's inferring that this 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 sport about speed and athleticism is being polluted by this new thing of fighting. And uh, no, okay. fighting has gone down every year since hockey began. It began as basically just brawling and occasionally a puck happened. Isn't it funny that it's funny the way shit changes? Because right now, two of the two of the narratives that happen in popular culture around sports are two things. Baseball, which has been heralded as the national pastime, is now... People are like, oh, it's not, it's too slow. It's not fast enough. We have to put a pitch clock in. We have to put it this and we have to alter it to make it more uh, consumable right. via TV. And whereas football, which clearly has its basis in just sheer brutality, right? <laughs> Barely, we're, we're oh, past that. Sure. Now people are like, oh, we have to, the game is being ruined because we're trying to keep people from breaking their necks. There's too much, we, there's not enough hitting. There's too many rules. There's and to which you and I often agree with. We're like, wow, you can't even defend a guy anymore. You can't even. You might as well just no, let the receivers but, run out free. But, you know, but it, it, again, like the limiting injury, it should be the objective. I'm okay with anything that is designed to limit injury. But that does not mean that's not the same thing as prohibiting a specific act. You know, what 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 causes more devastating life-changing injuries are the the boarding or the or the head-to-head -head contact or this that the other thing 
and and it's it's just that the the fighting of it all is so like shocking. And I get, I get you watch it like, oh my god, those guys are punching each other. It feels very shocking. It feels it's very exciting and wild, but that's not where the major injuries come from. It, it, you know, is there always the risk? Of course there is. And and does has injury happened? Absolutely. But more of the life-changing in, injuries come from other actions that are usually policed and you stop doing it because of the risk of getting punched in the face. Okay. I like that. I like that. I, 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 I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In college hockey, it's banned. The players don't fight. In the Olympics, it's banned. They don't fight. It can absolutely be legislated out. You choose not to do so. And with all the vicious muggings happening on the ice This today, isn't about the speech. It's about the way he's being viewed by the, his new I love interest, clearly. that district attorney, Mr. Burke. Mr. Sears. No, David E. Kelly's got a bug up for David E. Kelly years. is a hockey fan. You need to have appreciation for your sport, Mr. Burke. Also, uh, sports are entertaining. Rise up and mirror the dignity of the game itself. And fighting Tell is your very players, no more fighting. And if they still Fuck insist balance, on sure. violence, let them beat up their coaches like the basketball uh, players. Everything he's ever done, this turns. This is this is the Howdy reason guy. I hate Alan Short. He doesn't like fighting in hockey. No, uh, it's not that he doesn't. He's just he's that's the he was he's yet? being paid to argue that side. Made up my mind. No, no, he's not though. I he's been paid to, to defend his. He, he, the the taking uh, his job was to rush? give the guy a suspension and not get criminally charged. His rant about fighting and hockey in general, which is not even what happened in the assault. That's just him going on his own soapbox. He's a bad person. I canceled the show. <laughs> Keith is pompous about hockey. <laughs> Keith is pompous well, is and likes fighting. I realize that. So if you're going to walk out on us, we just like... Walk out? I didn't mean it like that. I think Guys, you did. Keith's going to be... You don't have to use that tone, You don't right? want speaking in a tone like Keith. you're being betrayed. Eugene's going to be a federal judge. This is great. It's awesome. Put it Man, out everybody's there, fucking pissed. We've known each other too long. Put it out there. Okay. Okay, I will. When I decided to have a baby, all y'all shat right on my face. So now I'm not going to be happy about nobody doing nothing. How about that? It's called Just Desserts, Eugene. Sorry. <laughs> Just, I mean, that, that was a rant about Eleanor, who's been pretty shit on herself, so. Oh, endlessly. But, but also, I mean, like, I, I get it from the standpoint of, like, it's basically just Frut and Stringer is the entire firm if Eugene is gone. Yeah, and I so, get all like, that. But, like, also, there's a lot of money. There was at one point, And I guess it's whether uh, we believe that not. And, like, Bobby did it. Remember when Bobby it was like just a couple spare tires in an office and everybody was like, we can do this. We can build it back up. Well, now's your chance, Eleanor. It's going to be yeah, your place, take man. Take over. And, you know, if we've learned anything anything from this show, there there's an entire stable of 21-year-old hot-ass lawyers yeah. just like who are all geniuses just sitting around waiting for an opportunity. Now, I will say as lead partner now, Eleanor, mm -hmm. you're going to be uh, – there are going to be serial killers magnetized to you, so you should be careful. Oh, forever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bobby. Don't sign for that UPS package left. is what I'm saying. Lindsay. Don't date them. Rebecca. But you and I. Oh, they said their names, Looked each other in the eye, and we said. Amazing. We were going to make it work. 
I'd love to have seen that scene. If you leave... To be a federal How judge. How can it work, Eugene? How can it work? Well, I, we can make a backdoor agreement, and I could start helping your cases oh, out, no. girl. Look, uh, part of what's going on with We're going to take... Great centrist here for those watching. Uh, yeah. Because they've got some... Uh, that, that's Beautiful probably shelf. his son up there. And yep. Great shelf. Need See, shelf Eleanor, there. what's going to happen here? So we're going to take this firm... Yeah. Done, uh, you know, by you and me and replace it with Alan a show Sh of two straight white guys. Yeah. Yeah. Great. We got to do, we got to get Eugene a good job uh, so that we can have an all white guy show. Yeah. Hey, hey that's crap. Don't make this about that. If you want to leave. Do I get to talk? Yes. But you asked me to be honest, so let's hear you put it out. Well, you acting like I, I want to be a right federal to judge. Like, like I, I never you. said. I have the right. I gave everything to this firm. If I choose... I have the right. Yes, you have the right. I feel like this could be celebratory and we're not playing it that way. But you know... It should be, yes. You are this firm, Eugene. You're our conscience. Our soul. Our grumpy dad. You are this firm. Well, that I can, I can get behind. <sighs> the reason I wanted to have this conversation some disturbing information has come to light. You're acting creepy. You're both acting kind of creepy. But... Gigi, my sources at the FBI tell me they were tipped off by an informant. Somebody with something to trade. Who would turn against Manny? I mean, everybody loves Manny. I'm also informed you were arrested a few weeks ago. And that arrest seemed to go away. What are you talking about? That's a lie. This is the worst couples counseling. <laughs> Here's a copy. I thought of we the were case. going to see a therapist. No, no, no. This is my lawyer who's about to accuse you of flipping on me. Welcome. Mm -mm. Okay. Well, it's still very expensive. So those things are uncommon. Still very exactly. <laughs> still going to be an awkward ride home. I will find out. So, uh, you, uh, uh, they gotta tell me who the informant is. Now, I know you love Manny. The best thing that can happen here is I make out the argument that you were coerced, which I'm sure you had to be. I might be able to make it all go away, but you gotta tell me how you were coerced. She's like, give me that close up. I'm gonna act my face off. Not a strong episode for women, Keith. Not great. Or season. Jimmy? Not now, Susie. No, you gotta take this. Excuse me, please. So this is Jimmy's new new place? Look, we're not gonna serious. Yeah, this, this is Jimmy's is new office. 
So we have three firms right now that we're. We know each other. I'm letting the fish. Right, Jimmy? How can I help you? I don't know, Jimmy. See, I'm walking by and I see a signed attorney at law. So I come in and I see you like a neighborhood lawyer here, which, you know, I'm a neighborhood lawyer too. We could be buddies. Only problem. I'm the neighborhood lawyer. And this here is my neighborhood. That's a thing? Which I'm sure you didn't know. Who knows? But now you do know. Don't lawyer here? Yeah, he's, he's the lawyer. What the hell was that? This Lenny Pescatore, Jimmy. He's not a nice person. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, thank we. I wish that had happened in season one so we could have clipped it out and used it frequently. But <laughs> oh, that's true. Let's revisit it once more because it was so good. Jimmy's got the quote of the season, perhaps. Shall we? Hmm. Season eight of The Practice. What the hell was that? This Lenny Pescatore, Jimmy. <laughs> He's not a nice person. This is Adriana DeMeo? As Jimmy's Lucy. <laughs> I'll figure this out, Manny. There's stuff to work with here. She was my ride. I'll figure it all out. <laughs> she mentioned that during that conversation, she left. I don't want to walk home, Jimmy. I got a problem with my butthole. <laughs> I'm more sad because if, if that wasn't a camera up there... It I got a rash. I, it means I got the, a hemorrhoid the size of a goddamn oh, audio good. recorder. Sally. As a cassette recorder, it was a Walkman down oh. there. It was an don't iPod you touch. Start. I don't need another. Don't start. I never start. I'm more of a closer. No, you're not. What's wrong? Tell me. What's I'm wrong? I need a shower after this. Let me tell you something. You probably wouldn't guess it to look at me, but I made law review. I even won the regional moot court competition. You're right. To look at you, I never would have guessed. Because people... People say don't judge a book by its cover, but that's exactly how I'm judged. Even by people here who know me, know my work. Well, perhaps people... I like to dress this way. I like to have fun on my personal time. Why can't people like you deal? First of all, I can deal. I thought you were absolutely sensational up on that bar. Really? Second, lawyers as a breed hate their job, Sally. They do their very best to window dress the awfulness, big houses, fancy cars, expensive clothes. Attorneys actually want to be judged by their covers. It makes them seem interesting. Third, I thought you were absolutely sensational up on that bar. You said that At what? Fourth. It's just wasn't a performance. To the extent that you don't want to become them, I salute you. Don't ever, ever become them. Lastly, and I'll stop here. I thought you were sensational that far. You were absolutely sensational up on that bar. But really think through. What does that Whoa, mean? No, she, time out. Of course she kisses him. Well, 
surprising. Oh my god. I'm sorry. Like, I, it I wasn't a performance. I'm so sorry. No, no, hold on. All he's saying is you I like I like it when you don't have your shirt on. It wasn't like you like you gave a great talk or you did a even if it was dancing, like, oh, that was a great dance. It's just like you are great with your boobs out. Like that's all he's saying. Okay, maybe. That's not all he's saying. Listen, I, far be it from me to defend Alan Shore or but here's how I read the scene and I'm and and these were the chess pieces set up. Now, I don't disagree with you about how gross all this shit is, but I'm just let's I Mike, this is a this is a weird episode cuz Keith is like really nuanced arguments and I'm just kind of defending the broad strokes of TV. <laughs> I'm very what, salty what I today heard for was some this reason. Character, right? Saying, mm-hmm. "I'm hot. I like being hot. I can be a lawyer and be hot and like my body." All right. I want to get up on the desk and show off my boobies. Okay. And you and Alan said, "You know what? Lawyers are boring. Boring. I think you're hot. I don't want you to. Don't be a boring lawyer. You want to be. You want to be outside. You want to do your own thing. Do your own thing. I think you're hot. Also, you keep being you." And, uh, and that you was hot as hell. And then she was like, oh, I like being flattered. I'm going to kiss you. Mwah, 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 mwah. Alan Shore's hot shit. He's a good looking guy. Let's do it, man. Alan Shore, baby. <laughs> I had so many responses queued up, but I think I'm just going to let that sit. I'm just going to let that be right where that is. <laughs> I thought they were setting up for him in the, like, the, like, Tight, tight ass lawyer to to be to get together, but I guess not. I guess I he's just know. gonna be a feral cat. He's with everybody. Hey, new guy. Mike, you were we sensational when you took years. your shirt off. Yeah, agreed not to promise. I mean, you're a great like podcast or whatever, but Good you're sensational. There it is. There's some, show me some cleave, Mike. I don't accept <laughs> criticism, Hannah. Though I do enjoy harsh discipline. Oh, now him May and Hannah are... speak with you. It's extremely important. Oh no. Okay, I'm like really nervous, so I'm just gonna say this before I get all acid reflux and gurgle. I have no idea why I kissed you. I mean, I think you're cute, but um, I just don't go around tongue throating cute guys. I just what you it said wasn't a tongue throat. Let's be honest. Made me want to kiss you. No, that doesn't explain why I did it. But Sally, it's okay. Really? Don't worry about it. Thank you. <sighs> um, when you say it's okay. How okay? I beg your pardon. Now we're going down a road, Keith. Sort of think you're attractive. See, in the moment, I actually thought it was like I thought it was justified. I thought I didn't think it was creepy the way he like. I thought it was a a decently, but I, but I don't like if they're gonna be a thing now. Come on. It can't be a thing. She's dating Chris Rock. She's dating Chris Rock. Yes. In in the show. No, in real life. Oh, Keith, don't, please don't, don't, please don't bring real life into this. If real life comes into this, everything I've said in the past hour, it can be used against me. We're in this, we're in David Kelly world. Come on. Don't ruin this for me. You're sensational, um, Mike. Sally, I think you're a very attractive woman. Oh, okay. He clarified. I'm involved. With my murderous oh, best friend's w- okay. w- mom from way back when. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah, what happened to that? Oh, they're, they're banging Myself, on the side. actually. And it's quite serious. Oh, wait, not, not even that. 
right place for a relationship. Whatever happened with uh, Lisa Edelstein? Oh, yeah. Referred only to as the lonely people in that episode. Yeah. What? What was the point of that? Keith, come on. He's a hero. That means he's got to be a tomcat. He's prowling. He's like, I'm going over here. I'm going over there. That that whole, like, take off your dress. I just want to look at you. I feel like that had to have been going somewhere. How did we point to that? It was just yes, like a it was going weird thing to that happened. her being nude and him looking, much like him at the bar looking at other nudes. He, it's, at least he's consistent. He likes a nude girl. I mean, I do too, right? But okay, like, I don't, well, I don't go around like whispering at every woman I've ever met. That's because you can't. He can. <laughs> but I'm also written by a white man. <laughs> Yeah, but you don't have any money to produce it. That's the problem. That's that's true. <laughs> you lacked funding, Keith. Really, what we here is just a lack of funding. So that's what we have here. Leave now. It's <laughs> a weird episode. Welcome to the season. I'm out of us. If I flip yeah, my deal with Jimmy, I'm a dead man. Not that I care. I'll see if we can do it confidential. It's our only shot, Manny. For them to let you go, you gotta give them somebody bigger. Fine, whatever. Hey, look at me. Your heart is broken right now. I understand this. But better you learn about her before you get married, right? Also, I would watch this Obviously, show. Obviously, this wasn't well, the I right was wondering. person for you. Like a Jimmy spinoff. It's easy to get girls to love me. That Jimmy. would make sense. I'm fat, I got no money. Women don't go for me. Here, buddy. Jimmy. Not now, Susie. He's back, Lenny the Fish. One second. Jimmy, my friend. I asked you to stay out of my office. Relax. Only came by to say Ralph Spinacci will no longer be needing your services. He died. Spinny? When? In a few days. He tripped over a box of stereotypes. Me. You got that? I'm here, and I'm here to stay. You got a lot of balls. You know that? I've been working this neighborhood for years while you were sipping Don Perignon up on the hill with the Metagons. Now you want to come back and take food off my plate. Doesn't look like you've missed too many meals. Yeah, I like your style. You got good gumption. I like a man with gumption. But I don't like it that much. Get out of my house, you hear me? Yes. I grew up in this neighborhood. Get out now before I call the police. Go ahead, call the cops. Ask for Frankie Lupo, ask for Steve Freschetti, Mike Luciano, good cops. I'm sure they'll come running. He asked you to get out. Oh, no. Manny. You got new counsel, huh, Manny? Manny owes me money. FBI still bugging your ass, Manny? Jimmy asked you to leave. Oh, you want a piece of me? Huh? Go ahead. See what happens. There's no cops around to break it up. Take a shot. See what happens. All right. Shut up, Jimmy. It's a different league now. I'm standing right There's here. fighting buddy. in this league. Oh, yeah? For now, you're standing. 
Okay, stereotypes as hell, but this could be a plot line. It's a shame we have two episodes left. Yeah, no, that's it. That's all we got. <laughs> I said I'd buy you a beer. So here. You know, it, it, an irony should be stated. Um, that I that I feel that we've been pretty upfront about, but it, but 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 I'm going to state it anyway, because I've been making a lot of jokey jokes, Keith. We've we've based a lot of the plot, really soft usage of the word plot there, around the one the younger lawyer who kissed Alan and the way she dresses and how she's dresses sexy, but the only right. difference is between the way she dresses and all of the other very attractively cast actresses and lawyers in this world dress is she shows a little more cleavage. But as far as that, outside of that, they all dress very to accentuate even Helen Gamble. Everyone on the show from the very beginning are very attractive women in a conventional sense. And so they are wardrobed and dressed very in very flattering clothes that accentuate their shape and womanhood. There's not a lot of difference between the way they dress and the way she dresses, but they're drawing a huge distinction. And so they were like, okay, well, we have to make it seem stark, so let's make her dance topless on a table. Really? <laughs> I, I think you I think you may be right. It's just like, you know, it's the, it's the old box of stereotypes, but it's like, it's, they, they couldn't, yeah, I, I think you're right. They couldn't draw enough of a contrast. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, oh, remind me of this, this attorney's name. Uh, I knew it so well last week. <laughs> Hannah Rose. Oh, you, you just pull that out of your butt? Yeah. She. Out of your FBI butt? For all butt? intents and purposes, she's dressed very sexy. Of like, course. she looks great. But I wouldn't, you know. Leave uh, you. Anyway, whatever my job yeah, I don't know what to discipline say. me as well. What a, what a scad, Keith. Is it not? Is Look, it scat or cad? Just cad. You're right? obviously cad. a good lawyer, but I give you a few weeks here, tops. You don't understand authority. You're arrogant. My suspicion is you're corrupt and probably unflinchingly selfish. And Foreplay like this can only lead to sex. Ugh. You're disgusting. Oh, Keith, it's right. the other perfect quote of the episode. I've read that women who like to emasculate... You're corrupt and probably unflinchingly selfish. And Foreplay like this can only lead to sex. Keith, season eight of The Practice. You're disgusting. You're quivering. <laughs> Nailed it. Did you say you're quivering? I've read that women mm -hmm. who like to emasculate sure secretly do. desire to be ravished. Would you like me to rip your blouse off right now, Hannah? my mouth to your breast and perhaps lower myself you want to slap my what's face up jen looking forward to your text about this one and since you stand there Gross. did i defend him 10 minutes ago titillated you sure knee, did it could set something terribly nasty i should have known i was setting a trap for myself i could be wrong of course maybe we should see slap my face hannah that's what you want is she gonna do it keith Slap it. Tell me she's not going to do it. I don't know. I blacked out during this scene. I don't remember. Oh, thank God. Although she seemed like she wanted to. Hmm. Let's make this guy a TV show. Yeah. Meanwhile, Eugene's going to be a Another federal second. judge, and we're like, fuck you, Eugene. <laughs> yeah, you get 30 seconds. 
<laughs> we filmed all this in one afternoon. You're not even called for most of the week. After all we've been through, as much as I love this firm, it would be an honor to see a lawyer from here get appointed to the bench. Yes, that. I would be so proud of you. Proud actually, for all of us. It's only Cameron or Eugene that really, I think, could could be nominated for that position. Is there a timetable? Yeah. Oh, well, for sure. Yeah. If I decide to go forward, there would be a confirmation hearing before the governor's council next week. You might even be called to give testimony. It'd be well, an honor. Just let me know. Doesn't it feel like we keep having the same scene, though, for like past three episodes with these two? Just like the same scene over and over again. It's because they haven't had any storylines or cases. Can we have a moment where Eugene well, seems happy for himself? It's happening, Jamie. He's doing it. He says he's undecided, but I know him. It's happening. Just great. You're going to go on to Grey's Anatomy and Law and Order. You're going to be fine. Okay, here's... Oh, boy. Oh, great. Go away. <laughs> I just got here. Look, I'm embarrassed enough already. You don't have to show up here and massage my feelings. I'm a big girl. I love having my feelings massaged. Go away and give some other nice guy a chance to sit there. Sally, you don't need to feel embarrassed. Look, I kissed you. It was totally inappropriate. Then I made a play for you. And by the way, I know that you hit on everyone, so what was I even thinking about to begin with? But then to be Remember rejected Tara? by someone who's obviously not picky. Wasn't she on the episode season the episode last no week? Yeah. They were like, they look too much alike. Tara, you're out. Look at me. Man, they you licensed the real two song. People can sometimes seem to make each other more whole. That doesn't happen with me. I have this way of making women feel wonderful, but less than in the end. Yeah, I can see. You know that Maybe track. Have met the right girl? I've met many girls. Perhaps. I've creeped out like 40 women. There's only 20 episodes. I'll tell you what, I would like to dance with you. In fact, there's evidence to support that I banged Sharon Stone before and after she hung a human head on the wall. Not a deal breaker. On the contrary, it's my own ego at play now. I'm currently being seen by others talking to a pretty woman. If I simply walk away, it'll look like I've been rejected. I'd appreciate you allowing me to save face. One dance. Don't mess with me. Girl, he messing with you currently. One dance. If you mess me up, I'll totally hit you. I understand. I don't know what you're doing, but I don't sleep with guys right off if that's what you're after. You already have my respect, I assure you. Oh, sure, yeah. He's 
It's all about respect. Oh, he puts his hand directly on her ass. What? I just wanted to see if you were paying attention. I don't get it. I, I just wish I understood what what we're taking from all of this. From his, like, from Alan. So just Alan. think you like me. He doesn't. Well, maybe I don't fucking know. He's not capable of liking anybody. We slow fade back to the office. Eleanor is working, burning the midnight oil. This is her baby now. Cameron can make writing on a pe- legal pad compelling. She slowly looks up. It would have been great if she were in this season. She's melancholy. She's feeling what we're all feeling. It is indeed time to close the door on this episode. And uh, let us do what we do every week, all of the weeks. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, we're not doing that yet. Yeah, whoa, whoa. Michael, 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 Michael. It's time for the high coopsie. His ass was not bugged. Eugene ascends to the bench. Keith defends the code. Wow. Wait, did you have that prepared or you just did yeah, it on the fly? I wrote, the, I wrote it down this week. Okay. All right. I was going to say, like, that was, that would be, I mean, it was very impressive regardless. But uh, yeah. All right. Not as impressive as the second go around of this. Podcast in unofficial, unsolicited, unfortunate. 177th episode. Of this. Is that real? Present. Oopsie. This is episode 176. We said we were going to do it. Acting good, wearing good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, I'll tell you, Jackie. They're everybody's favorite fake award show that begins every single week with... A bumper that goes like... Side note, uh, thank you to Jackie Hoffman, who did our our oopsie bumper. I think seven seven seasons in, we can officially say thank you. She hasn't sued us yet. And (laughs) check out Jackie on the latest season of Only Murders in the Building. She's got a a, a larger role. It's still not not huge, but every time she's on screen, she just makes me laugh. So, yeah. Emmy nominated and Tony nominated. Jackie Hoffman. You know what? I think... I'm going to give it to Jimmy Berluti. I like what he's doing over there. I think that it's, I think clearly that neighborhood needs another voice that isn't a mobbed mm-hmm. up uh, bad guy lawyer. And Jimmy is mm-hmm. offering that to the people and to his, and he's offering compassion even to his cousin in a, in, a, in a tough spot. I think Jimmy is going to make 
a great neighborhood lawyer. I think he's right where he needs to be, and I wish him the best. Uh, congratulations on your oopsie, Jimmy, and men, mm. many more to follow, I hope, in, in in the extended oopsie universe. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think he's – I mean, if you want a, a cartoon Italian lawyer, but, you know, not quite as cartoony, use Jimmy Berluti. He's Jimmy the Grunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, he actually did resolve the the butthole issue, right? Which is, we a thing, to know. which is a thing Keith just said on the internet. We needed to resolve Jimmy Papa Chupacho's butthole, butthole yeah. and he sure did. So uh, congratulations, Jimmy the Grunt, back. Uh, now it is time for... Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting, Getting a, a paycheck. Entry on your IMDb. Way, Way to, to go. go. You're the best guest. I don't know who's who anymore. Uh, we've been, this is going to be challenging for the next couple of weeks. Uh, <sighs> yeah. You know what? I think that, oh my God, I can't believe I have to say this. So the lawyer who's now inside the quicksand of Alan Shore, who was dancing topless. Which one? There's multiple. The topless, da- Coyote Ugly. Coyote Ugly, okay. What's her name? Sally Heap. Sally Heap was given. What is the character? It's Lake Bell. Is the Lake Bell, is yes. The she read a script this week and was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I have to turn this into a human being portrayal. Mm-hmm. And I think despite what I think we'll wrestle with, Keith and I will probably argue slightly with about she it, it, it's 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 clearly I will I will acquiesce to this, even though I defended almost more defending <laughs> Alan in that scene, but it, it is absolutely a David E. Kelly or I'll just say a white cis male fever dream of a female character, right? Like, that is such a good way of putting that. And she, as an actual female actress, who I'm sure has a great deal of self-dignity, worth, and respect, <laughs> had to turn that into, like, a real person. And that, from what, from page to screen, I can only imagine the heavy lift that she had to do to make that even remotely accessible to human emotion. <laughs> so, uh, for all those reasons, and I'm being serious, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Lake Bell the nod this week. Yeah, I... <sighs> None of these issues that we're dealing with come down to the performance. Yes, I would agree. I, I mean, I think the, you know, obviously we're having, we're we're really struggling with the characterization and the writing of, of this season. There's obviously, there's no question about that. Um, but yeah, I think Lake Bell does an excellent job here. I mean, it's, oof, it's tough. It's tough, but um, yeah, it's Lake Bell. Yeah. There it is. You could almost argue like there's a world in which you can make a really kind of weird show where – well, no, he's capable of it because we've seen Ally McBeal. But you know what? We we, we hearkened to Scrubs earlier. This is going to be – this is a heavy lift, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt it. Okay. Uh, Scrubs got brought up earlier by Phoenix, and one thing Scrubs did really well amongst a lot of things they did really well, I thought, is that they were able to at times – show sort of an altered, ridiculous reality. Like you were seeing reality through our characters rather than it being an omnipotent reality, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Right, from, from our character's point of view, yeah. yes. 
if that's what we were seeing in this show, if they were able to, if we were watching the world through Alan's eyes, ah. I'd say a lot of this could be could be contextualized that way. But that's never been the way the practice does it, and so we can't make that assumption, and we can't, and clearly there are no uh, production ways that they're indicating that that's what's happening, so it's hard to excuse it. And the other thing I'll say, even though this is the wrong spot to say it, I'm gonna, I'll set this, plant this seed for later. We've given an entire season, leaving the door open for, oh, well, Spader's given us, we know something's ticking behind the old noggin there, like something's happening in his psyche that... When, when that final piece drops, it's all going to make sense and we're going to get it. And it's mm. become clear to me this week, it's not coming. We're not getting that. That's never coming. And we just have to, you have to take Alan and just assume that there's something that excuses all of this and makes it make sense. But you're not, you don't get to know. That's my fear. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I think that's definitely true, right? Because like we've, if if we were going to get the what makes Alan tick redemption, it would have happened by now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, we've already we've already moved on to the next show. Like he got renewed, <laughs> the yeah. show didn't get renewed, but that character got renewed, and we're not ever gonna. I mean, at least in the context of the practice, we're never gonna know why this guy behaves the way he behaves. What we do know is that the ratings and the network wanted to see more of that. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure why, but they sure did. Uh, yeah, so where were we? We were, oh yes, we we gave Like Bell the best guest actor. Now it's time for... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show Keith. Eight seasons in, I'm breaking the rules. And what? I'm giving my I'm not giving a split seat, I'm giving a combo. I'm giving a tag team award out because I think when Steve Harris and Cameron Mannheim got the script this week, they were like, oh, okay. I guess we're filming our entire arc in one location in one day, and we have to tell <laughs> an entire three-act story. And guess uh-huh. what, folks? As much as it sucks that they were truncated like that, as much as it sucks that there were so many juicy in-between scenes that I would have loved to have seen, I got my full three acts of Eugene's got this offer, he's got to ponder mm. it, Cameron's pissed, and then but then also was uh, feels bad that she was pissed, wants to support her friend, and wants to show like uh, hope for the future of her and Jamie, but also a little melancholy. <laughs> like, And all of that <laughs> lift had to happen in literally like three vignettes throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. And yet, the weight of it felt legit to me. It felt it felt full-fledged. Like they shortcutted by using our emotional attachment to these characters over seven seasons, which yeah. I think was intentional, but also sucks that they spent 90% of the other, other time on the other stuff. Uh, because these are the two people I really care about their future. So I want to give the combo award to Steve Harris and Cameron Manheim this week. Yeah, no, I think Unless you you're, disagree. No, no, I, I think you're. I, I will. I will bequeath that power to you. The enormous power and responsibility of that. Uh, yeah, no, I mean it's like, I, 
they're they exist in a different world than the rest of the show. Like it's it used to be that the Alan Shore world was like intruding on the practice world. Now the practice they're like in this tiny little bubble, like sucking out the last of the oxygen here in the the practice world. Um. So, uh, but but yeah, no, it's definitely Cameron also, and Steve. Side note: So when Alan left, he took like what was it, six million dollars with him, nine million dollars or something. Well, he said he didn't want it. Yeah, but then they were like, no, because uh, Eugene was like, we're giving it to you. So I, I take Eugene. Right. Well, whatever. I, he, I think he it was went, three. His yeah. severance pay was pretty good. Let's put it that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did what good. Did, we didn't discuss what Jimmy got. They just like took his ass off the door and were like, peace. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But not even a mention. All of a sudden, he's just, but he had enough to like open a new place. He got like an office full of fucking people. Or is that like well, a WeWork he's at? Is it a WeWork? <laughs> He's in a we work, okay? Yeah, you know, so uh, you know, I think I work, but uh, you know, maybe we work a little bit, huh? Mm-hmm. We'll workshop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than a little German. We will act together. Oh, oh my god. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Uh, let it's let's uh, let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen. Is the hockey thing over? Like, is that done? Apparently, yeah. Apparently, Alan Shore personally was able to get the National Hockey League to ban fighting. So, you know, you you kind of ruined it, Keith, because at the top, you kind of set it up as though we were going to have a really interesting conversation about this, enough so that you and I could have a debrief about it. But truthfully, they just set up some stakes. They said not not mm-hmm. even stakes. They set up a scenario, and then Alan monologued his way through it. That's it. That That's is it. True. Well, it, it was basically David E. Kelly had an axe to grind this week, and he just like yes talked. It legit was that. So I'll let you expound on what you thought of that. It's, I, I think we we're all pretty clear, but but I think it's fair for it to be stated on the record. I just thought I'm going to leave it at. It's not even worth a convo to me because. It was. It didn't seem to be treated that way. It's not like they they litigated it, which is what they often do with these. Even if right, David E. Right. Kelly has a a very specific point of view, they put it in the courtroom and they let both sides get argued. Maybe sometimes yep. not evenly, but regardless, there's a there's an argument. Not this time. This was just a monologue. He wrote a monologue, and that's troubling to me. That's shorthand. That is senioritis. That is, we're getting ready for the next series. I loved the. I loved the Eugene and Cameron stuff because that's the show I like of the three shows we now watch. <laughs> right. But it was in trying to serve so many masters, it becomes clear that we're shitting on the original show. And yeah. even if that is not his intention, much like the hockey conversation, even if that's not his intention, that is what we are left with. That is the emotional feeling I am left with. That like the stuff I like is three little bits and and it sucks for them because it feels uneven. It's like Cameron specifically. Eugene had like he had his feelings or his feelings, but Cameron had to make a humongous journey from really upset and a little bit selfish about at how this is all going to play out, not just for her friend, but like for for her entire freaking life. Jamie kind of summarized it well, if not grossly, right? But completely. Uh, retconning her character into just like this I only care about my clothes scenario that was such a weird line 
So nobody saw that and was like, yeah, let's just cut that. Because because what she states there is actually a really good thesis. Like, it's not about Eugene. It's like, what is how will this leave us? But then when you put that right. one line, it 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 minimizes it. Okay. And then and then camera has to come around and sort of tie it together and and they give her the last send off, but you're like that doesn't it's like you didn't give her the meat, right? I don't want just the bread. I want the meat. Right. Unfortunately, so but like still I'm like okay, it's still there a little bit. Unfortunately, the meat is Alan Shore's meat, if you hear what I'm saying. And that is Ugh. troublesome because I would imagine there are somewhere in a in a meeting somewhere, David like explained how all of this bullshit with Alan and how this lawyer wants to Lake Bell wants to dress and had something to say but for me it was really just more of an exploration of how alan like you said has carte blanche and can emotionally and and sort of like here's oh man i'm gonna go out of a limb here keith because okay let me just let me all of the, the what I'm gonna say now, there's clearly a lot of nuance to people who actually have these types of things, and and I, I uh, by minimizing it, I don't want to ever take away from like actual experiences people have had. But what's uncomfortable about the Alan Shore stuff to me now is the way, like she keeps saying, the Lake Bell character keeps saying, "Don't play with me," and he and what he did with Tara and what he did with the other the other actress, uh, Helen Rose, he he says really disgusting stuff or really offensive stuff. But then I'll say something like really meaningful and 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 get into their heads and like massage it and then bring it back to sex and then blah 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 and then by and what it what it starts to read as is a little bit and maybe not just a little bit maybe a lot of it grooming grooming behavior which mm. is what makes it ultra gross. It's not that he's saying sexy stuff. It's not that he's coming on to people at work. That's all normal gross stuff. But it's the mental games he plays that is feels like grooming behavior. Now, yes, they're not young women. It's not that kind of grooming, but regardless, it's it's it clearly is of a sexual nature and very and then where where, where the storyline plays off, he's not an antagonist, right? He gets away not gets away with it. He is able to just slide in from relationship to relationship. This girl and everybody's into him. He's the cool guy and it's He's it's, the hero. He's the hero. And it's, it's the hero of the show. And it what I'm wrestling with, not wrestling with, what, what I'm curious about is like, is this, are we just woke now that we see this? Or was this always kind of the way it was? Well, but but what does woke mean, right? No, yeah, 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 it I'm means sorry, that, awakened to a thing that has been happening forever. Yeah, it's okay. n- It's not like, yeah, but I, please don't take that as a pejorative. I, I, I mean, no, like- no, no, no. I mean, but I, I, no, I, I, I take exactly how you, how you mean. It's like woke didn't change the rules, didn't yeah. change the nature of what was happening. It just is like, oh shit, I'm noticing it now. But it's what's happening always. Here's the thing, right? Yes, what you said, and. For such a progressive and liberal kind of minded writer, yeah. uh, you'd think that you could play all of this like you see how women are treated, right? But it's not. But the sheer lack of that 
of that perspective is what is so startling to me. You're like, do it's you not shocking. see that you are perpetrating the exact thing narratively that is the problem? Well, you're you're not just perpetrating it. The entire show is based on it. The entire success of the show is based on it. Like it's it's what's rescues the series. And yeah, and then what and then and like I said, I can't overjudge it, but what we've been teased thus far of Boston Legal, I'm sure there will be many changes, obviously. But for the most part, you're just gonna double down. It's like, oh, let's just have two yeah. of them. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> no, and it's yeah, right? It's I, well, you know, it's funny because like you 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 mentioned the line, don't play with me. Right? So it's and, almost as if there, he has the, he has like a, a he, there's a recognition of of what a person in that scenario might be afraid of, but like the meta commentary of you don't recognize you're doing it narratively is kind of bizarre to me. Well, the 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 entire season, every woman in Alan Shore's existence that we have seen him through twenty episodes is a plaything, is a toy that he is playing with, which is insulting on a couple of different levels. Like one. That all that apparently all women are susceptible to being toyed with and played with by this guy because he's so great and he's so powerful and women are so like well look you know so easy to this whole season has was it a a reality show or just a book like the the pickup artist yeah I watched that and I well I watched the uh, excuse me the documentary based on the freaking. Or book something, yeah, yeah, like the the book where you just basically called just like negging treat, the, the the thing called negging right, right. The treat verb, treat yeah. women like shit and they will sleep with you. Like this basically is the series adaptation of that book. Well, if you want to explore that, you could find the sort of societal and emotional reasons why, in some cases, that is a successful tactic, and what that says about the way women have been. Um, uh, sort of um, uh, conditioned, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's not what's happening here. In fact, what's, I think, double egregious, sorry, we're really going in on it, but what is double egregious is that not only are they play things, but he takes the time to then have them express that uh, a great example is, is, is the, Hel- yes, the Helen Rose character where she's like, you're disgusting, you're this, you're that. And then they play it, clearly it's directed, where she's like, ooh, but I'm kind of into it. The great example, Tara, right? Tara who's like, yeah, All of this, I'm not blah, blah, blah. Yes, you're right, every one of them. Every, every single one of them. Even Jamie you know. was kind of like, kind of, I know that we disagree with, I forget who it was, one of our listeners who was like that, she wasn't playing that role. No, that was Tara, right? That was with the Tara, best friend. I think, yeah. Whatever. The, I, it's I. It would be hard. You'd be hard pressed to argue that this is all very a very just so nuanced exploration of female empowerment that Keith and I are missing it because it's not that. I don't think so. No, I. Yeah. I it's it's like it's. I. I just. I. I think there's just no getting around the fact that this is just a misogynistic season. And so and it's character. hard. And 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 sorry. I. I mm-hmm. As you know, and as a, as a writer, I. I. I wrestle with this right because portraying a misogynistic character or a racist character or a whatever character is different than writing a misogynistic or racist series or show or or whatever and it it comes down to not whether the character says or does misogynistic things 
it comes down to the point of view of the show, and that comes down to how you portray the character's behavior. Whether you portray bad behavior as bad behavior, or like, it's bad, but you know, it's a little cool, right? And what's yes. happening on this show is it like, he's he's a bad boy, but like, he's kind of cool. Wouldn't you want to be like him? Well, it's even worse, too, because, for because at times we've, because you can be both. You can be both like a good lawyer and like a good dude sometimes, but also have these behaviors. But sure. like you said, there's no, even the times we've adjudicated it, like during that trial where we've sort of like put those character traits on trial, we we always come down on the side of like, but it's okay. But like, who's he hurting? He's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> it all comes down to this show is portraying this character as the coolest guy. Wouldn't you want to be him? Like, yeah, he's bad, but he's cool. And you've actually, you know, it's like, it's kind of a shame because you've actually created a character in which is is well-rounded enough. I don't want to say well-rounded. Has been enough of his weird kind of psychopathy has been explored and talked about in one season of television. What you could do with that as a focal point to really explore some things is really cool, but that's not what we're, that's not the show. Well, you know, and I I think about it this way. Um, If you put it in the context, at the same time as this is being aired, The Shield is airing and wrapping up, Mm -hmm. right? Where you start with Vic Mackey as this anti-hero He's he's doing all these horrible things, and he's kind of cool, and you're kind of rooting for him. And over the course of, I think, seven or eight seasons, we see the show's point of view slowly chip away and undermine, and you realize, wow, this guy we've been rooting for monster. is really the bad guy, is yeah. really a monster, and he has real consequences, and it really spins Side note, out. where's Michael Chiklis? Give me more Michael Chiklis right? in TV. Where are and you? It, if you watch the last, se- the last season of The Shield versus the last season of The Practice, and I think they both went eight. Obviously, there was a, many fewer episodes of The Shield. But like, oh my God, does that season hold him accountable? And take that cool guy doing bad stuff that we were sort of rooting for and hold him accountable. And we get like, oh, okay. The show was never saying this was okay. This was cool. We are going to see the inevitable consequences for this character. And he's going to pay the piper in a riveting and shocking fashion. And this show did the exact opposite. Yeah, where you got your Breaking Bads, right? Where uh, here's bad guy or a good guy, right doing th- right doing bad things for the right reasons, but then devolves into well, breaks bad, right? So and there and there are consequences, and the show doesn't sit. You know, the show never says at the end of it, man, Walter White, man, he was cool. He was cool, right? I mean, you don't want to be him. Look at me, just look at all those chicks he banged. He was great. Well, every time they raise a. An issue with Alan, or he at times just admits that he does certain bad things. They have a female character be like, "But it's okay because I'm sort of into it." Yeah, because right? like I, I'd, I'd still do it. Yeah, and it's always the female character who's letting him off the hook, which is I think yeah. a problem. Okay, Keith and I are clearly very passionate about it. Uh, <laughs> let, let us know what you <laughs> think. Felix. Um, in fact, Matt, please, you know what I mean. Like, tell Rebuttal. us rebuttal. Yeah. We're being too, uh, I get it, it's fair. We might just be very, I don't know. 
and do any do any women want to write in? Let give us the, their perspective. I'd love we'd love to hear that as well. It's just a lot of white. It's a lot of dudes talking. Um, <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, but as a but as a single episode of television, I feel like the Eugene and Eleanor part is a little bottle episode-y, and that that has stakes. That's really the only thing that has stakes to like the practice. Okay, as a show. The other stuff, well, I guess the Jimmy stuff you could you could argue is in there, and the, the Jimmy stuff suffers from uh, Italian cartoon comic book television, right? It's just like, is that really is was there was is that just like a bad spoof on Goodfoot? Like, I, is that a real thing? I I don't know. It didn't feel real. It didn't feel like no. they're like neighborhood gangster lawyers. It's like, is there just like a whole bunch of of uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Jimmy McGill's? Better Call Saul's? Is that what it is? They're all like shyster lawyers I mean, that I, I'm, have, I'm sure it exists, but it like just felt we it felt cartoony, right? Am I've, I wrong? I've never seen that world, you know, and I've I've lived in a lot of places and I have never seen that particular world before. Um, and I'm sure I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying it as a as a dra- dramatized thing for our character Jimmy. It's I guess it feel it does feel very Jimmy in Jimmy's world, and I guess he's doing well, but like compelling television, less so. Although it is what I asked for in the top of the episode, <laughs> you did and I ask got for it. The so I guess I can't, I can't, I can't argue it too much. And then the Alan stuff. Like, here's the thing: this is three episodes of television, none of them completely satisfying. I don't even know how to rate it. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna give it three ratings, Keith. We have to do it. No, you have to give like there, there's they will average. You... They will average. Okay, so you ready? Okay. So all right, all right. For the Eleanor and Eugene line, I want to give it. 8.5 spare tires because I, I thought okay. it was well-performed and interesting and a great twist with, with Eugene. But because we only saw about a third of the episode, actual episode of that, you uh-huh. get uh, seven spare tires. going to lose a tire because we didn't see the whole episode. Okay. You've got the Jimmy thing, which is sort of dumb. Uh, but we did I did get what I wanted, so I'm going to give that five. Okay? Okay. And the Allen stuff, I just can't abide. So that's getting four. So that gives us seven. An average plus, of five point three. There you go. Five point three three. Yeah, uh, it's funny you did all of that math and arrived right about where I arrived. Um, <laughs> there you go. So yeah, so obviously the Allen stuff we've went into endlessly. Fair. The hockey stuff, I think I have uh, expounded upon quite. Last uh, word though on hockey. The last word, Keith, to you. Th- no, the, the 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 last word on hockey is. Keith likes hockey. I no, I really like hockey, and I and I understand that the the fighting in hockey is complex. It's complicated. It's complex, and um, you know, those of us who have grown up with it have participated in it. I. The scar here is from a hockey fight, so like I like I'm I I understand like and it is it is something that I am I am biased in it as well, um, but I think that this was a cheap like jab that was not fully explored. It was not fully articulated. It was like he was so proud he could get this into the show uh, that quickly. That it never really got fully explored, and I and I think that is also what's happening here. Is this these last few episodes have felt frantic, 
And based on just the timing of all of this, it's being frantically produced, right? Because if this arc was written six, was broadcast six weeks after the thing that inspired the arc, this is all happening really fast. Well, and they must be in and pre-pro for the for Boston Legal too, right? Clearly, yeah. clearly. I mean, uh, there's there's no question at this point. And you know, he he's transitioning to another wife. To <laughs> man, Freudian slip, transitioning to another wife. Right? What's happening here is he is already sleeping with his second wife while still living with his first. Like, does he have a new writer's room? Has the production staff swapped over at this point? Like, I tried to do some I, no, research on it. It was hard it. to find, yeah. I doubt it. I, I doubt it. But clearly, we know where we're going, right? And so... I did do some reading, I have to say. I did do some reading that seems to support our our assessment that the general public, there was a feeling that the practice, the show had and the cast had kind of got shit on as we were moving out. Yeah. Like that, that's not just something we're feeling because we've dedicated sort of time to it. No, no. And it's, and it's, I get, right. You make a transition. You have a new show. You want to write a new show. That's great. Totally. Like, you know, a lot, a lot of people have second wives, right. But I think the way that he is doing this is disrespectful to the first. And the, the fact that our, that Eugene and Eleanor are being shunted. Like, I love Eugene becoming a judge. That makes perfect sense. I think it's I think it's great. I think that's a a both realistic and appropriate resolution for this character. But the fact that it's we don't even see it happening. Right? This isn't a this isn't a character arc. This is just a thing that's happening in the background. It's the C story. And it's the you just watch the whole movie and the next person's 20 years of their life is put on in a little scroll. At the right, end. right. It's a scroll. It's the scroll at the end of this thing. Why didn't we see Eugene's interview? Right. So he interviews for this thing. Why? Why isn't this a huge arc? Why aren't we seeing him get the call to go in for an interview well, for another thing? Well, here's and, the thing. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Two episodes are left, right? Yeah. Three, two, two, two. So Two more. you have the you had the opportunity. Look, you've already soft you soft launched Boston Legal. You've introduced a bunch of characters, some stuff, some dynamics. It's happening. It's a done deal. So now you have three episodes, two episodes left. You've set these the table. Perfect time. You know what, Dylan? So sorry the way things went down. You know, Kelly, so sorry. Eugene's going to be a federal judge. It would be awesome to have the 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 vetting process. We'd love to interview Bobby and Lindsay and bring everybody mm. back for their final cameos, say goodbye, see where they're at. And, yeah. and send Eugene off. We could spend the last two episodes making Eugene a federal judge. That's an incredible ending for the practice. And then we yeah. see Jimmy and 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 then Frut and Stringer kind of do their thing. We could do it. We're not yeah. going to do it, are we? I, I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but it but, doesn't uh, feel like we're going to do it. It. I, I would have liked to have seen what we know about already on camera. I want to watch Eugene do that interview. I want to watch him. Debate that I like. I I want to see him wrestle with these. I don't want to talk about what happened. I want to see it, and I want to see this story, and I want to see what you know. Ah, whatever. But coyote ugly. <sighs> coyote ugly. Coyote ugly. We need to show Lake Bell with her shirt off. Okay, congratulations. Hooray for us. All right, you have get I mentioned? By... I really loved you with your shirt off. Uh, you were magnificent up there. 
extraordinary. Uh, 5.2. All right, there you have it. That's what you get. That's what you get. All right. Uh, I, I, in it's fact, like the well, old days, well, Keith. Two and a half hours podcast. Let's do it. Oh, wow. Wow. For reals. I was going to announce how many hours, because I was just do, I was just putting it into the spreadsheet while we were talking, how many hours we have spent here on the Out of Practice podcast, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. Oh, yeah. I'm going to announce in our series finale how many hours of your life you have wasted listening to us. I don't want to do that. You know what? I don't want to go at it negatively, Keith. I want to know if upon be well, no, okay, or in addition to, because we should absolutely make fun of ourselves. Why why stop now? (laughs) I want to know that if had on the first episode, had we birthed a child, how old, Mm. but that child can only live during, while we are talking. Mm. (laughs) Well, that's got really sad. Instead of air, they breathe our voices. How long has that child oh, been God, alive? Oh, God, why have we birthed a child into hell? <laughs> that's this. That's, that's horrible, because no matter how long we spent on this, we birthed the child into hell, and it's only going to exist for that long? That's the most horrible image I've also, ever heard. Also, non sequitur, listeners who are listening with us in real time, even if you've never written us before, Please write us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com and let Keith and I know what drink we both should be sipping on during the <laughs> finale. We want you to pick any mm. cocktail. Uh, some, yeah. Let's get some ideas and then we'll vet them online in the next couple episodes. But let us write out of practice at podcast okay. at gmail.com because, you know, this is it, I, guys. I, it's the final no, countdown. No, no, no. I, I like that. I like that very much. Nobody's still listening at this point. It's uh, not true. So. Jen, we'll get your suggestion. <laughs> She's like, how about a $57 sangria? $57 or two box or an entire <laughs> box of wine on the beach. That's something Jen and I have done. All right, folks. Well, if you have enjoyed listening to this, you can write us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. Maybe if you leave a rating and review, it'll help people listen in the future, and Mike and I won't even know about it. But you know what we will know about? Our incredible patrons on patreon.com slash KMM. You can find bonus episodes. You can find watch-alongs. You can you can watch us right now. I'm pointing at you on the camera. You can see it on patreon.com slash KMM. Michael. If you do not want to contribute financially, that's cool. Thanks for listening. Give us a rating review, as Keith said, or go on to the YouTube and listen to us talk some more. We talk about Deep Space Nine on Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine and look at my Star Trek toys, where we uh, look at Keith's Star Trek toys and talk to creators and such. We appreciate everyone who's spent any of their time with us. We'd like to wish you all a happy weekend. Thanks for spending two hours with us. And at the end of the day... You've been magnificent. Let me see those laser sounds. You know what would make a hockey fight more dangerous? Laser sounds. Nice one. Nailed it.